The FDF podcast is sponsored by Clark Energy, sustainably powering the food and drink sectors. FDF podcast, passionate about food and drink. Welcome to the FDF podcast sponsored by Clark Energy. This is one of our regular podcasts where we uh, talk about some of the uh, latest issues and policies affecting uh, FDF members. Uh, so we, uh, I've got with me Ian Wright, our CEO, Jane Armand, our Director of Policy and Corporate Affairs, Julie Byers, our Public Affairs Manager, and myself, James Hawkins, Head of Corporate Affairs. So we were all at the party conferences and Parliament's just returned for its new autumn session. Obviously, there are different policies coming down the track, different um, situations and crises that many of our members are facing. Where do you think the government's priorities are um, in this quarter? Well, I'm struck by uh, certainly the Tory party conference, the pretty evident sense of self-confidence that the government has about its being in control of its own fate. Um, And I think that's a bit surprising, given the level of chaos that we see, you know, COVID cases going up, uh, a lot of uh, agitating from NHS professionals to reimpose some sorts of uh, restrictions on people's uh, everyday activities. Big, big supply chain concerns across all industries. Uh, We had the fuel crisis while the Tory conference was going on. And still pretty much chaos uh, in terms of the way in which the the exit from Brexit is being managed, both in terms of import and export um, restrict rules and regulations, particularly related to food and drink, but not only related to food and drink, and the whole question of the Northern Ireland Protocol. And yet, without being too frivolous, it was a government that didn't seem to have a care in the world. Um, And I think that is partly due to a perceived lack of opposition um, and partly due to an extremely significant, but not often remarked on, I think, belief that the Prime Minister is just a very lucky politician and that whatever happens, whatever difficulties he has, he'll get out of them. Yeah, I mean, I I would agree. I mean, I think it was remarkable how the Conservative Party conference felt. I mean, to see the MPs, uh, some of the activists, certainly, you know, the the many lobbyists, the media that that you see at party conferences, there was definitely a jubilant feeling and working out how much of that is partly the, the legacy of COVID and people just not seeing each other and the excitement of seeing each other and and how much that's uh, the party feeling confident about its electoral fortunes. I think it's quite hard to separate. Um, I mean, Labour, on the other hand, I thought was much quieter, fewer members than maybe in in previous years. And it really felt that, you know, this was a party undergoing serious changes in the membership, which may boost Labour's electoral fortunes in the longer term, but it didn't feel... uh, be on the cusp of power right now. I, I would agree with all of that, but Julie, you, you were also in Brighton. It still felt quite positive. Yeah, I think it did feel quite positive, almost like um, the party conference bubble. It was when we were saying about uh, all the all the fuel crisis happening. It was kind of the start of it was during Labour conference, where they had kind of prime opportunity to be quite critical of the government's response. It was almost they were focused on their agenda about um, their policy positions and developing those at conference, but actually ignorant to everything else happening outside of Brighton. 
Ian, you mentioned that there are a number of crises that, uh, well, not just food and drink members are facing, but actually a lot of business, labour crises, cost of living, inflationary uh, measures. Is the government just a bit blithe to this or are they thinking that this is going to be resolved within about six months? Well, I don't think it is going to be resolved within six months because the changes are structural. Um, and I'm, I'm buoyed by the news that uh, the government has reacted to our consistent request for a, a serious study of the dynamics of the UK labour market. Um, you know, we've been calling for that since the summer and then we learned this morning that that is now being commissioned. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a big win for us um, and for all manufacturing industry, actually, because if it is as we believe our contention, if our contention is correct, that one of the major problems about the current labour shortages, which are in many ways the driver of all the other concerns about shortage on shelf and um, and so on, and the fuel crisis and a number of other kind of con consequent difficulties. If it is correct that there just aren't enough people, that study will reveal that. And it might be the way in which the government gets itself off the hook of its current immigration policy because I, I do I find it really weird um, and a bit surprising actually that the Prime Minister who when he was Mayor of London was basically in favour of opening the doors of this country to anyone I mean I, I attended an extraordinary thing he did in Davos some years ago one of the best speeches I've ever heard where he made the point that London was the third biggest French city on the planet um, and was celebrating the multicultural nature of London and so on. And it seems to me really odd that he is now the person who's basically saying yet to any immigration. And I don't think that's his natural position. And I think this, a study which showed that there are simply not enough people in the UK, which I think is what it will show, um, is going to be helpful to all of this. So I think the government does, what this is, is a government that reacts. And, and it reacts in two ways, I think. One is it's absolutely obsessed with its own image in a way that um, I don't think we've ever seen another government like this. This is this is this is Blair on stilts. Um, and then the other thing is that it polls everything. So you know um, the guy who ran the election, Isaac Levido, Levido, yeah, um, was in evidence in throughout uh, Black, uh, Manchester, mm. Manchester, Manchester. Um, and, you know, he is clearly the key person here. If it polls well, we'll do it. If it doesn't poll well with our base, forget it. Now, it'd be really interesting to see how, if there is a labour market shortage, and if it is the case that, you know, with something like three or four million people short, whether that will be enough and the polling evidence for it will be enough to allow them to make a, a kind of a seemly and uh, well, well kind of, orchestrated, moved in a different direction. But at the moment, the government seems to be making a Brexit virtue out of the labour shortages. It's quite reluctantly um, uh, said 5,000 uh, more poultry farmers and 5,000 more HGV drivers could come into the country, but failing to find them. Uh, but at the same time, the Labour leader, Akir Starmer, said he, he would allow 100,000 people coming in. And the government is immediately pointing to that, saying 100,000 people uh, would come in, they would take, they would, they would drive wages down. Labour shortages are helping wages increase. 
why has Labour, Jane, kind of walked into that trap? And do you think the, especially given what um, Ian was just saying, do you think the government can maintain that political line? I mean, I think it's, there's always a difference, I think, when you're talking about the national picture and then when you think about people's actual lives and how they experience it day to day. And I think as we saw, you know, with the numbers around the shortages of care workers and um, older adults not being able to get the personal care that they need, I, I think there's a real difference when it starts to touch individual families and when it becomes real. And as we've seen with product shortages on shelf, when it's, you know, when it's at a level that, you know, you're talking about a country as a whole, it doesn't really mean very much. When it's suddenly you walking into your own shop, trying to fill your own shopping basket, that feels very different. It feels very worrying. I think it's the same with immigration numbers, big numbers. Um, it You know, it's a national picture when you can't get somebody to look after your ageing mother you suddenly see the need for more workers in the country. I think I do think that there is, as Jane says, there's a difference between people's personal experience of these issues as, you know, as they're affected in their own homes and in their own lives and their view of what's happening at the national level. And I, I mean, I, I've told this story a couple of times in the last week. I, I spent a weekend up in uh, Kirby Lonsdale in Westmoreland um, last, not last weekend, but earlier in the month. And... Um, I was really struck that this prosperous little tourist town, every food outlet had an ad in its window for at least two staff. Um, and we also had, uh, we had an experience going out for dinner one night um, where a very nice pub with a, you know, very, very nicely set up, 70 covers, and I'm sad enough to have walked around and counted them, 70 covers, three people serving on the whole of the floor. You know, that included the bar staff and the waiting staff. I mean, it was quite a long meal, as you can imagine. And the, the real, and that kind of difficulty, although it's exactly a first world problem, of course, but that kind of difficulty does begin to get people. Uh, and the other thing I would say is, you know, when people walk into one of their supermarkets and they see that where they normally have a food display, it's links deodorant because they just happen to have a massive quantity of it. You know, people will begin to kind of say, hang on a minute, has the nation suddenly become smelly? Um, why are they doing this? And when they, they, and they, I think this will eventually accrue in some way to people's view changing. But the problem here, as, as I think we're all saying, is that this is a government which actually has a very focused um, intent to play to its base and actually it really doesn't mind about what people outside its base think. Julie we've been talking quite a lot about some of the problems that the government's facing and obviously any government is beholden to events but if a government could make its own weather where do you think the policy uh, the policies that it wants to advance are during the party conferences, there wasn't particularly many policy announcements made on the on the conference floor. Uh, but now Parliament's returned. Where do you think the government's going to go if it can? Um, I think, well, when we're at a Conservative Party conference, there were so many fringe events all about levelling up. And I think that's really where a lot of the focus is. Um, and where I think there is kind of opportunities where 
they may look to play on the crises that is happening with um, with the labour shortages because we keep on talking about well we need further kind of investment in skills and apprenticeships and I think that's where the there is opportunity for the government to go forward with in a positive way that kind of it's a win-win on uh, leveling up the gender as well as solving a problem that they're looking to address. I think though that the the leveling up the, the big test for the leveling up agenda will be inflation. Um, the point about inflation uh, is that it is discriminatory in a big way against people who are poorer mm-hmm. and it's the scourge of uh, equality because rich people do better out of inflation than poor people and it's almost a direct line and I, I think if we are right in our somewhat center of the soothsayer woe woe and thrice woe uh, shouts that uh, inflation is 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 out of the box and on its way. Um, and although their figures, the recent figures might seem to suggest a bit of an amelioration in that. I know the governor of the Bank of England, uh, who six weeks ago, James, when you and I talked to him, was very relaxed about inflation. This weekend, uh, just gone, he's been extremely nervous about it and said that he thinks it's a much bigger problem than he thought it was in, earlier in the summer. So if that is correct and we're headed for high single digits inflation, it's going to be fascinating to see how the government constructs its levelling up agenda with that in mind. And, and Jane, this cost of living crisis and this, these inflationary pressures, it, does this give an opening to Labour to, to make some points, score some goals against the government, but also uh, get some traction with the public at large? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's uh, it's it's more natural territory, I think, for Labour. I, but, you know, I think the concern will be absolutely real. What Ian's just said about inflationary pressure on the most vulnerable households, I think would be, you know, it will lead to more MPs, you know, and, you know, really sad cases at their surgeries. It means, you know, issues that we thought, you know, maybe had been ameliorated, pension of poverty will be back in a big way. You know, we know, obviously, children in, children in poverty, it might not be issues that particularly grab the nation as a whole, but I think for Labour MPs, they will find it very, very um, hard to deal with. And Tory MPs in red wall seats, um, you know, places in the northeast are going to be getting more and more concerns of this sort as if as if and as inflation lets rip. And I do think that's that that to me, together with the potential uh, crisis in the care system, uh, both partly, I mean, the, the no, we haven't yet had the national insurance hike that's going to pay for care. But that's going to reduce everybody's income mm. at a time when inflation is going up. And I think that's that's quite a big concern for the government. But on the other side, I also think that when they come to recruit all these care workers, they're not going to find them. Um, and, you know, I've said this in slightly frivolous terms. And I hope that, you know, we don't need a warning on the front of this podcast that it contains graphic language or graphic images. But there's one coming, so if you're, spoiler alert. Here we go. Um, Sensitive in nature. I really worry about who's who's going to be around to, you know, wipe the dribble off my chin, let's put it as nicely as that, when I'm 85 and, and double incontinent in a care home. And I I see my friends who have all got, a, unfortunately my mum and dad are gone, but all my friends who've got aged relatives, particularly several of them who've got, uh, 75, 80 year olds with dementia, this is a massive concern for them. 
and it is it, it's it's driven by their concern that they can afford the care they just can't find anybody to give it i mean i think you know with with free movement we've not had to worry about or not had to worry so much about where an influx of people to do whatever the jobs are we've not had to worry for a very long time certainly in no worries in the last decade i think now in common with lots and lots of uh other economies that you know we have a falling birth rate if there are just where are the pool of people going to come from and you see without, that yeah, regular immigration. And you see that now in some of the ways that this crisis, these crises boil up. So the fuel crisis wasn't because we'd run out of fuel, and it honestly wasn't because of scare stories planted by people. It was because Tesco and the food distributors jacked up their wages, of uh, the wages of HGV drivers, and 400, wa- 400 fuel drivers defected to the food system because they were on contracts and they could earn more. And that was enough to put the whole system out of kilter. We've now got exactly the same thing happening with um, people who drive dustbins, dustbin lorries. So in several areas of the country, there have been no dustbin collections for weeks because there's nobody qualified to drive the lorry from which the bin men alight to collect the bins. And that, again, is because all those dustbin dustbin lorry drivers have defected to places with higher wages. Uh, before I finish this one off, I, I managed to get through a whole podcast uh, and haven't said the C word, but I'm going to say it now, COVID. Um, do you think the government is out of the woods? And do you think that actually it's it's COVID that has catalyzed many of the problems that we've been talking about, resulting in a misallocation of labour and capital in the economy? And is there anything that just as that that ungums itself, if that's a if that's a if that's a literal literate ad, uh, adjective um that actually this will all come good in the end or do you think this is a, this is the root cause of a lot of uh, problems which are going to take a lot lot longer to solve um on kind of covid are we out of the words generally i think the government's really kind of bettered on the vaccine strategy working um so we'll just have to see kind of where we're at with um highest well highest death rate kind of yesterday being compared with march um so uh what what actually i think like personally about covid it's made everyone reflect about what they want their life to look like and about what type of job they want to be doing so i think that's where where we are seeing some of the structural issues with HEV drivers looking at wanting, well, not only moving for higher wage rates, but actually smaller vehicles. Do they want to be staying over or away from home so often? And I think that is kind of COVID as part to blame for that. I, I agree with that. I think there is this, this very definite global uh, trend to think about your life in a different way doesn't affect everybody and it's not necessarily uh, doesn't come up with all the consequences that you might expect but I know lots of people of my generation and I know it's difficult to believe but I'm 63 um the um the, the prize of no no I can't hear. <laughs> um but it's 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 evident to me that a lot of people are rethinking their the way they live their lives now as it happens I'm not but it I can see the attraction of that and it has some interesting consequences like as you say, Julie, lorry drivers who have pretty unpleasant conditions, let's face it. I mean, some of the places they have to stay, the lack of proper facilities, the, the actually quite often the way they're treated. 
you know, they, a lot of them have decided to go and work for Uber or Deliveroo or for Amazon, and they can they can take those jobs and they're going to be closer to home, they're living nearer their family, and then having a nicer time. And I think that is a, a massive trend that, that we need to get a hold of. But on the other question of COVID, I think we are coming up to a bit of a crunch, and the crunch is probably not do we lock down again? Because I don't think this government, this prime minister, can survive a second lockdown. I just think that 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 you know everything they've achieved, and they have achieved a significant amount. They cannot cancel Christmas and survive. No, no, and I I think they're they are very well aware of that. Um, I do think though that that there, there could be some other consequences. So. The, 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 the fact that the NHS is evidently creaking and maybe a bit more than creaking, the fact that you can't get where I live, a doctor's, a GP appointment until the new year, is going to affect it. At some point, that becomes their problem, not the COVID problem. Um, and I do think the, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm a, the NHS, Jane and I both have, personal experience of how wonderful the NHS is in, in its acute care. Um, but there are other parts of it which are utterly, utterly not fit for purpose. And I think that becomes the government's problem as well. Brilliant. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, Julie. And thank you for listening to this FDF podcast sponsored by Clark Energy. The FDF podcast is sponsored by Clark Energy, sustainably powering the food and drink sector.